Hi, this is Michelle. And this is Deanna. And this is Historable. Spooky month. So Deanna. So Michelle. Welcome back to Historable. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Yeah. <laughs> so just a little apologies for last week. You know, life gets in the way sometimes and we just were crazy busy. And Deanna got a cold. I did. So I'm still um, still a little stuffy. So apologies in advance uh, to all of our listeners if I sound a little more nasally than usual. But yeah. you know. We got her all stocked up here with tissues, hand sanity, liquids. Got my juice, got my all my things. All the things. So we're gonna we're gonna get through it. And today is a double double toil and trouble double episode day, which we've never done before. I know. <laughs> so yay. Yeah. So because we couldn't release an episode last week, we are giving you two episodes today. And one is gonna be by me, and the next one's gonna be from Deanna. Ooh. So you get a little 50-50 mixo in there. Yeah. And also we're recording them back to back in real time, which we usually don't do very often. So it's going to be an interesting day. It's a wild day. Yeah. We're all going to go on this wonderful ride together. <laughs> so we'll see how our voices are by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get started, oh. we have one other announcement. Oh, yeah. We have a Patreon shout out. Welcome to our newest Patreon, Sammy J. Welcome, Welcome to the club. Welcome, Sammy. We love you. Thank you so much for the support. We hope you love all the bonus content. Yes. There is a lot of fun stuff on, on the old Patreon, yeah. and there's going to be more coming this month, so absolutely love it. So welcome, cheers well, to you. Welcome to the club, and thank you for the support. <laughs> and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to continue on our spooky month journey this month, today we are going to be talking about a wonderful attraction in 1800s Paris, and this is the infamously macabre Paris Morgue. Ooh. Okay, remind me, what does macabre mean? Just like, oh, here, I can give you what uh, word says the cinnamon. I almost said cinnamons are. (laughs) It's going to be a long day. Gruesome, grisly, horrific, chilling, morbid. Ah, thank you. So just twist it. Spooky, creepy, gross. Got it. So the Paris morgue during the 1800s became quite the attraction. So this is when the French government in Paris decided to use just the general human interest in death itself to their advantage in identifying dead bodies. Oh. And they used the morgue in Paris to help them achieve this identification through just the general public. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So I had actually listened to a podcast on this years ago and I remember it just being really interesting so it's been on our list to do for a while so I thought spooky month is the perfect month to do it yeah I'm excited to hear more about it I know I've seen it on the list yeah at one point you're like this might be a good Deanna topic yeah so I'm I'm really interested yeah I'm excited to finally talk about it so let's get into the history behind La Morgue First and foremost, I'm just going to apologize. Uh, I'm not very good at a French accent. <laughs> I can do accents pretty well, but a French, a French accent, definitely, I struggle a lot. Yeah. I took French in high school and college, so I will do my best with any 
French pronunciation cool. <laughs> if needed. I did look up a lot of the words and how to pronounce it and tried to write them phonetically to how it sounded to me. So we'll see. But I tend to just make everything sound Spanish. So I'm learning German right now on Duolingo. And even sometimes I'll say them with like a Spanish accent, the German ones, <laughs> which doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. But there we are. So I will try my best. All right. Like I mentioned, the Paris Morgue was around mainly during the 1800s. And during the early part of that century, Napoleon III was the ruler of the land, and he was attempting to transform the city of Paris. The city itself is a very old city. I think we all know that. And the way it's laid out is that of an old city. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. It's pretty much a medieval monument to earlier eras, right? Napoleon was attempting to give it a little facelift. Okay. Make it more modern, right? Widen up some of those streets, right? They're not just for people anymore. They're for... Buggies? Like horses? Carriages? Carriages. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Bigger and better things. (laughs) Let's just say that. So he also worked to install sewers and parks and all that kind of stuff. Another big thing that kind of fits into where we're getting at here is that some say the first department store was actually built in Paris. Oh, I believe it. So it was kind of the first store where you could really like walk in and just browse mm-hmm. window shop. Stores previously had always been very... They were like purpose driven, right? Like you went to like, the ha- what is the haberdashery for like hats? Was that right? <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I know that word. I guess I just never know I what feel it like meant. it's hats. I could be totally wrong. Yeah, but exactly that. There's the meat store. There's the grocer. There's the this. There's everything was so specialized. Yeah. And so this was the first time that you could really just peruse a store. Mm-hmm. So with all that and these now like more communal areas and these wider streets, this kind of concept really started to emerge in Paris and they coined the term flannery. And this pretty much just means to stroll or walk aimlessly. So that was kind of like part of like their new culture is just mm-hmm. strolling around Paris and popping in here, going here. Yeah. I think that's still pretty commonly attributed to being a Parisian thing. I think a lot of main cities too, you think of people like romanticizing, like strolling the streets late at night, right? Like. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very much still a thing, but I think it's kind of nice. It is kind of nice to just wander aimlessly. Oh, I love wandering aimlessly. Yeah. So they would pop into the local parks. They would pop into the department stores and they would pop into the local morgue to see some dead bodies. So let's talk about it. The Paris Morgue itself had opened to the public in 1804 and was really operational over the next 100 years. This wasn't just like a decade or two. This was an institution. Hmm. The original building was actually in Ile de la Cité. That sounds right. Yeah. So it was originally constructed there and ended up moving to just near Notre Dame. And this was also a very strategic location because this was right by the River Seine. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's Sen. Sen. Sen, yeah. Yep. I just see the I in there and I always get tripped up. I should have wrote that phonetically too. You're good. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So it was right by the River Sen. And apparently the River Sen is just like a vat of dead body soup or something because they were just yanking bodies out of there like every day. Oh, dead body soup. Dead body soup. I think... A lot of major city rivers are grown, right? Like, think of the Chicago River. Yeah, I just try not to think about those things, but you're right. I've, yeah. There's a lot of dead bodies in most major city rivers. Yeah. That we just don't know about. Yeah. 
until we do know about them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. So with this, they would pull out these bodies and they wouldn't be able to identify them, right? This isn't Law and Order SVU. They don't have fingerprint and DNA databases to access. Mm-hmm. So really, they were just relying on newspapers and the public themselves reporting people missing and providing descriptions of people, right? Right, totally makes sense. Yeah. So around this time, they said, hey, why don't we open the morgue up to people? We'll put these bodies on display so people could just walk through and view them and see if they know them or know of anyone that knows them. That's so creepy, but also... I mean, that's kind of (laughs) smart. I'm like torn between like, ew, but also touche. Like that's actually a good way of identifying these, you know, these bodies because how else are you going to do it? Right. Absolutely. And like, I think about where I live. I live in the city of Chicago and I see so many people that I know as my neighbors. I know they live. Oh, that's that lady with the dog from three. I mainly recognize people from their dogs. Okay. Yeah. I actually know. Pretty much the names of all the dogs in the neighborhood. Don't know any of the owners' names. Forget about it. Right. (laughs) So I could say um, maybe the lady with the mop dog that lives down the street. I don't know her name or the dog's name. But I wouldn't know if she went missing either. But if I were at the Paris morgue and saw her body, I could say, hey, authorities, this woman lives three buildings down from me, right? Yeah. Things like that. Just connections where you don't know connections need to be made. I think it's also just the human condition to be interested in death Mm -hmm. we don't know anything about what happens after and and the body and decomposition and while all that stuff sounds so gross and probably like sends chills down your spine i have a feeling that most of us would probably go to the paris morgue if it was still around today it actually became a huge tourist attraction so much so that it was in like like little traveler's guides to like Mm -hmm. paris and stuff this would be one of the attractions that they would put in the book oh interesting yeah I just think we're we're all just kind of interested in it in a weird way. And I think that's fine if that's your thing, right? Yeah, I think it's normal. Yeah. So the viewing rooms themselves were split in half between the living and the dead by a large glass panel window. Oh, okay. So they would set up the bodies on these like marble, like, like slats on the other side and would kind of position them Mm -hmm. propped forward so you can kind of see the whole body now they would cover people's bits right Mm -hmm. we didn't need bits out but the rest of the body would be nude oh okay this kind of created some a little bit of issue at first because everyone's like was really covered up in the 1800s so imagine now seeing people's someone's ankle scandal i don't even know so anyway but there could be identifying marks that some people have seen yeah. on that ankle. Absolutely. Regardless of if everyone's seen the ankle. Which is why they did it. And also they would display whatever they found. So sometimes that just meant a leg. Oh. That they would just fish out of the river and they would put that on display. Kind of for the same reason. Maybe there's yeah. a scar or something that someone might recognize. Right? Yeah. So what they would do is when they would bring the bodies in... They would have someone like an undertaker, right, kind of prepare them to be on display. So they would wash the body, do all that. They would take off all the clothes and any articles found with the body. And then they would display those alongside the body. They would kind of have like like what I imagine to be like a pegboard behind each body with kind of like the articles they were found with. 
originally, if like a body was found bloodied or with some sort of matter on the clothing, they would just hang that up as is. Oh. And then that kind of became an issue because I think that was just too disturbing. And then also, it's harder to recognize a shirt if it's covered in matter right yeah (laughs) so then they started actually laundering all the clothes and then pinning it up so it looked more normal to what someone might recognize got it yeah something weird about these bodies though is if you think about the 1800s refrigeration wasn't really a thing yeah so they did have aspects of being able to freeze bodies before putting them on display but once they were on display there was no air con right oh they didn't like cool off the marble slats like they didn't have like ice cubes around the room or something no what they did is they actually dripped ice water from above onto the bodies to keep help keep them cold but then it just kind of created the bodies like like wet just like wet they were just like wet like slippery dead bodies and they started to become bloated and it was this thing oh gosh the bodies could only really be displayed for like about three to four days yeah i have a small window before they really had to take them away after which they would create like a wax cast of the body and then put that out to display and then with pictures and stuff like that Mm -hmm. just to kind of prolong the amount of time that one certain person is out there to be viewed. Interesting. Yeah. In the later half of the 1800s, they did manage to install some sort of refrigeration and then then they could display the bodies for quite some time. So we kind of talked about people wandering around, wandering into the morgue, but there was other ways that people found out about the morgue and about the certain quote-unquote attractions that were in the morgue itself, a.k.a. the various amounts of dead bodies. Yeah. But the newspapers actually played a huge role in the amount of crowds that would show up. And the two, being the morgue and the newspapers, kind of worked together. The morgue servicing or servicing, serving as like a visualization of the things that the newspapers would write about. Oh, yeah. So you're reading an article about how a body was found in the sun and it had... Uh, lacerations here and whatever but then you could actually go physically see that body for yourself at the Paris morgue so depending on what the newspapers had described would actually control the amount of people that would show up at the actual morgue so for instance one day then papers had posted something about a pretty gruesome body that was discovered with like I think like a hole in his stomach and all these things and people flocked and this wasn't just the first instance too there was one case one of the most noticeable ones You'll see it commonly referenced in the research as, like, celebrity cases. Mm -hmm. These were kind of the more high-profile ones. It was a little baby was found in the sun one day, and which was super tragic. And a couple days later, an 18-month-old was found. Oh, gosh. And the newspaper. And so those two alone brought in a lot of people to come see, just to see if they knew whose baby it was and whatever. But the newspapers then speculated, could the two be sisters and related? And then that sent people into a fury, just coming in to see if they could see a likeness in the two babies. Yeah. So the newspapers definitely drew a huge part of that, like, crowd. They're, like, interest and they're, like, sensationalism, I guess. Exactly. Yes. It's, like, yellow journalism at its finest, but, like, Kind of actually real, though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
The crowds themselves weren't a joke. There were some articles that I said that speculated that there were over 40,000 people in a day on average that would visit this morgue. Oh, wow. People would go on dates. They would go on just like little outings. They would bring the family. It was like a whole to-do. Oh, my gosh. Vendors set up little carts on the side of the road right in front of the morgue to like sell snacks and souvenirs because the line for the morgue would actually wrap around the block sometimes. Oh, my gosh. And people would wait hours to get into the building it was insane the crowd itself would disrupt traffic sometimes by spilling out into the street fights would break out it was just like absolute pandemonium and the police would need to be called there all the time just to like settle everyone down it was like when i was researching this i was like i just can't even believe that like all this was happening to just go see some dead bodies i mean i guess if there wasn't a ton to do i don't know sure it's like but you don't got to be throwing bows at your line neighbor. I don't know. People people just get intense. A lot of people don't like to wait. That's true. People get really, that really crazy. A tale as old as time. <laughs> yes, that is that is true. Think of people in traffic. Yes. <laughs> Road rage. This is just line rage. It's very real. It's Q rage. Yeah. Yeah. Q rage <laughs> is legit. I could see that, I guess. Um, so speaking of the police aspect of it, the police also utilized their, the morgue for more than just recording dead bodies and stuff like that. They tried to use it as an, inter, um, an interview tactic while interrogating their suspects. Oh, so on more than one occasion, they would have a suspect in custody accused of harming one of the bodies in the morgue. Mm hmm. And what they would do is that they would actually bring the suspect to the morgue and show them the body that they're suspected of killing and then try to elicit a confession out of them oh, or yeah. some sort of emotion. And a lot of people would come just to see this, too, and it would be written about in the newspaper because it was almost like a side act to the attraction that was the morgue itself. Yeah. Then you're seeing like real life police tactics. <laughs> you know, it's like how we watch, you know, SVU and all the other crime shows. It's just like a live action, true crime in person, like interaction, like for sure. Exactly. A lot of times from, um, the articles back then and how it, this place was referred to, it was referred to as a theater. Like a public theater. Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, I think sarcastically, right? Like yeah. to just add a little bit of tongue in cheek. But I thought that was really funny. I did find that at least in one scenario, they did get a guy to confess after seeing the body that he had taken the life of. So yeah. it worked. I, I feel like that would work. That actually seems just like you would show a photo of a suspect. I think that's like a pretty common thing today. Like, yeah, totally makes sense. Just take him there. Right. And it, yeah, definitely made sense. Kind of going back to this concept of celebrity bodies, I kind of wanted to highlight a few of the the ones that really drew in some attractions. So there was definitely the two babies. That was one of the top three. And then there was another woman who was found in two pieces. I think just like, I imagine like split at the stomach, I guess. Mm. That's what I imagine. Yeah. I could be wrong. I didn't want to read too much into it. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, she was displayed as such in the two pieces of her body, and she drew insane amounts of crowds. And then again, the body didn't last that long. I think it was already kind of in a poor state to begin with. So they did the wax molding, and then that brought the same people back to see just her wax molding. Hmm. It was like people were like, oh, she's got a wax molding now? I got to go back and see this. <laughs> like, hmm. Just wild. So that was a really big one. But the most famous of all 
was La Connue de, de la Seine. La Connue de la Seine. I think that's how you say it. It basically means the unknown woman of the Seine. So this was a young female who had completed suicide in the river. I don't really know in one mat what manner that means, mm-hmm. if it was drowning or whatever, but that's all that was really said about it. But she was found fairly shortly after she had committed the act, and so her body was pretty decently preserved. Mm-hmm. When she got brought in to be prepared to be put on display, the worker that was in charge of preparing her body was kind of left in awe because he had remarked that the smile left on her face was that of the Mona Lisa. It was at just like this very slight just like lift of the lips very like slight smile mm-hmm. and he was just like obsessed with it he's like i this is like so tragically beautiful i don't even know right hmm. i think a lot of people were really obsessed too there was the woman who jumped off the empire state building did you ever hear about that one no she jumped off the empire state building she was like engaged she was like 23 something whatever but she, someone took photos of her when she landed and she kind of landed like on her back with her arms up kind of like I don't know her face though for someone who jumped off a building is described as being like the most peaceful looking face ever Hmm. so I know that photo is like really famous people talk about that a lot and it's funny because I've actually seen this woman's face before the unknown woman of the sun and didn't even know what it was (laughs) so I think I've just seen it in like I don't know, an article or something like that in passing. Yeah. But I definitely had remembered it. And so anyway, back to the woman. This preparer of her body, this undertaker, decided to make a death mask of her face. So do you know what a death mask is? I think it's pretty, like, self-explanatory Yeah, I, like, I would name. assume it's just, like, a mold of the face. Of, of someone who's passed. Yeah. Yes, exactly that. So he ended up doing this before they had put her out and she drew in like insane crowds because all everyone could just talk about this like Mona Lisa-esque smile on her face. Mm-hmm. But the death mask itself, they ended up replicating it and it became quite a popular piece of artwork found in art galleries, in people's homes. Oh. All the way into like the 1950s. It was like worldwide, like people hmm. had like this replica death mask. And fun fact, this death mask or the likeness of it, is actually the face that they used on the official CPR dummy that they do, like, use for educational purposes. Oh. Her name is Recessa Annie. Yeah. And that's actually her face. No way. Yeah. Weird. Isn't that so wild? I had no idea. Yeah. I don't know. Just wild. So anyway, this place in and of itself just kind of became the local hotspot for date night, right? Yeah. People would come through. They would speculate. The newspapers really riled up the crowds, too, and the people. There was a lot of hype around it for a little bit over 100 years. And eventually, in 1907, due to moral concerns, it shut down. I don't know what... I. I don't know why all of a sudden moral concerns were a thing after 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where we land. Currently, today, there is a World War II memorial in its place, Mm -hmm. but I think you could still see some remnants of the morgue itself, maybe just like the building or something. But yeah, all in all, the Paris morgue, I think, really just kind of tapped into the curiosity of man. For sure. Right? Everyone has it. Like, everyone loves to listen to true crime podcasts and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. There's a big pool there of curiosity. and Yeah, it's a fascination with 
kind of the unknown of like questioning like you know mortality and like all that kind of like deeper thing so I think there is a lot of people have a natural just interest not in like a un, some people take it to an unhealthy way but like mm-hmm. for the most part it's just kind of a it's an interesting concept just because at the end of the day like everyone's going to pass away and so what does that mean how does that happen I think it's just it's just like a very common human nature human nature thing for sure yeah so the Paris morgue itself is responsible for a lot of things that it kind of domino affected into. One of the most namely ones is actually the idea of autopsy. Mm-hmm. So they performed a lot of autopsies on the bodies and really advocated for autopsies kind of across the board as a standard thing. Yeah. And that kind of trickled into today, in today's world of autopsy technicians and autopsying and autopsy yeah I don't know <laughs> I'm trying to think I'm like autopsying <laughs> I don't know much about autopsying so me neither do with that what you will <laughs> I think also too it also helped in the realm of police work and identifying bodies yeah and figuring out what people really remembered about the bodies that they were able to identify and weren't able to and kind of were like people tend to remember this more that more Mm -hmm. just kind of specifics It, it, it kind of worked as a really great experiment and educational piece for the police and for investigators alike yeah so I don't know, kind of a little morbid history there for you just in general in the world. And yeah, I don't know. So I really just wanted to cover it because who knew you could just go hang out with your lady friends at 6 p.m. at the morgue and go stare at some dead bodies. Yeah, it's like who wants to do like dinner in a morgue? Dinner in a morgue. Dinner in a morgue. Yeah. It's like very, very hot back then. Yeah. Crazy. I know. So that's the history of the Paris morgue. Thank you for pulling that together. It make it totally makes sense, but I just like I never knew that it was a thing until you told me it was a thing. Mm-hmm. So thank you for pulling that together. I'm wondering what kind of other creepy things like that are just waiting to be uncovered by us. Yeah. And actually, did you see anything about was there much success with people identifying the bodies? Or yes. was it really just kind of like a... I think it was both. Museum. <laughs> they definitely were able to identify a lot of bodies that way. Oh, good. So it was extremely helpful. I mean, again, it stayed around for 100 years. Yeah. And it wasn't... They weren't charging people to come in. It was free. Mm-hmm. So it had to be working somehow, right? Yeah. So it definitely was work. It was kind of just doing both, right? Yeah. It was really helping them identify people and then also giving people something to do. Well, that's... <laughs> uh, I mean, I Tuesday. guess... I'm glad to hear that it actually did serve a purpose mm-hmm. and people were able to identify you know people they knew or loved ones even though i'm sure that was a very mortifying experience but it's i guess better than maybe not knowing and getting that closure so i'm mm-hmm. i'm glad to hear it wasn't just a kind of a sensationalized tourist trap if you will it, it actually yeah. served some good in the the community so definitely did yeah that's good crazy was there any did you come across any other like was this replicated anywhere else in the world or was this mainly just kind of like a Paris thing? I guess that's the question I was, I'm asking is like, yeah. I wonder how many other scenarios that are out there with similar morgues or whatever, it, um, kind of fun. I would imagine that current day, probably not. Yeah. There, there had to have been other ones that followed similar suit back then. But... A history of somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I will find them. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, thank you for pulling that together. Very, um, very appropriate for 
spooky, spooky month. month. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, really appreciate it. So that's it for uh, episode number one of two today. Yeah. So we'll see you guys in our next episode. Yeah. Go get a snack. Go get a drink of water. Go get some sunshine on your skin. Yeah. And we'll see you. We'll see you when you when you hit the next play button. Just <laughs> do it now. Yeah. We'll see you in a few. Okay. Bye. <laughs> bye. Okay. No, but really, I think the concept of a death mask is really creepy, but also very interesting. Yeah. Just like going to see a dead body, I would go. Yeah. I would, would you probably, go? I think I would go. Yeah. I don't know. I'd go like maybe once just to see what it's all about. Yeah. I'd probably go once. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.